Here's a funny little story. I'm trying to record this trailer for the podcast and I set everything up, my camcorder, my wireless, I start talking, I finish, turned it off, I want to play it back and guess what? Nothing. I'm freaking out, man. What the hell's going on here? So I just looked around, I tried things. I mean, it was just, I was just so pissed off. I went back, looked at the connection. I reversed the ends and then put them back in my camcorder. Lo and behold, you are now hearing my voice. I really felt dumb, but at least I'm not angry. a lot more in my many years on this planet, mostly in the last 15 years. And I'll tell you why from this little story. It's a story of my son. The trait I attribute to him the most is this kid was funny. Even when he was a little tiny nothing, had a big old head with red hair, and he was just so adorable and funny. For example, uh, about two and a half years old, I had gotten a camcorder because I didn't want to miss all this stuff, this good stuff. He was in a bath. My wife is taking care of that, though I, I didn't mind. So I said, let me get this on tape. So my wife usually whistled or sang, and she picked Whistle While You Work. Yeah. Can you sing Whistle While You Work? Oh. Zach in the tub looking straight up at the camera started Whistle while you work. And we didn't react. And he said right after that, he said, Zachy said, <laughs> That got a reaction. It was just so delicious. He didn't care too much about school. To his credit, he was a voracious reader. And he loved to read. He was curious about all this stuff reading physics when he was like 11th grade, 10th grade. He loved it. Too bad he didn't read what the teachers told him to read. But we are, we're kind of like, uh, all right, if he's smart, he'll get through. You might be wondering where he got all these traits. Well, he's a combination of me and my wife, but I think the ones that stand out are the ones for me. Oh, my name is H. Lee. I'm the OG. English teacher, athletic coach, and I honed my comedic talents in the classroom. After all, they were a captive audience. I love to do stuff that most teachers did not do. For instance, uh, one Halloween, I told my family I'm going to go as a mime. And in fact, I didn't speak to anyone that day. When they saw me as they came into the room, that look on the face, what is this guy doing? And then when I didn't speak, <laughs> They looked around at each other, little laughs and titters, but it was a great day, and I, I think they learned a lot. And I also really have a humanistic approach to people. I like people as far as I can throw them. That's a joke. Okay, I think people have this duality about them. There's the good and the bad. And until you prove me different, you are good. But the exception is for kids. Kids are innocent. They come to school. We don't know what's going on in the house. So I don't think there's a bad kid.
When Zach went to university in 1998, decided to go away for school, and something happened there. He had a some kind of a heart issue, and it caused him to like lose consciousness, and he fell down for like just he was out for like five, ten seconds, from what they told us. After that, you know, he recovered, and this seemed like a nothing until late 2004, he got hooked on heroin. My suspicion was that when they gave him some oxy or whatever it was back in 1998, I think he got his first taste, he became addicted, then the story of rehabs, relapses, rehabs, and so forth. And after being straight for several months, on March 15th, 2006, he died of an overdose. He was almost 22. And so after Zach died, my family and I had to deal with loss. And everyone has their own way. Many people try to help. Well, I went to work eight days after Zach died. And I think my work was one way I dealt with it. The other way was that I went to therapy after telling my wife and my daughter, I don't need therapy. Well, a month after I said that, I went to a therapist. Uh, another way I dealt with the loss was to help my wife and daughter as best I could. But I learned that grieving is kind of a solitary thing. And I also dealt with this in a strange way. I felt like a ghost myself. What do you mean you felt like a ghost? Well, maybe I was a ghost of my former self. I was invisible in some ways. Most people, and I was one of them, you know, don't know what to say to someone who's grieving, let alone grieving after a child of OUD, which is a very, kind of not like any other kind of disease. So now we're in 2013-14, I joined a bereavement group called GRASP, Grief Recovery After a Substance Abuse Passing. I found that maybe I wasn't doing that badly, although you always hurt after something like this happens. So one day in 2014, I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, I'm going to do a documentary about Zach. So I did what I had to do, getting people to talk, my relatives, friends, and I found that some people from the group would do this. I knew nothing about filming or editing or anything like that, so I had some people at Adelphi, this is where my wife worked, and uh, they kind of guided me. So I shot everything, I did it. By 2017, I had all this material to make this movie. I would call it TZP, The Zack Project. The advisors said, maybe we'll get more depth if we use a website with more stories. So I did that, and it came out on July 30th of 2020, amid the pandemic, on Zach's birthday. I got a lot of stories, I put myself on social media, and people say, wow, thank you. Thank you for doing all the work. Bless you. And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything yet. I knew this story was bigger than a film or a website. Too many stories out there, sadly. So I decided to use an episodic format to properly capture each one. And thus, this podcast, or EmotionCast, wait a minute, drum roll. As you can tell, I'm not a drummer, my son was. These ghosts must be heard. Yay! Uh, so with this vehicle, I hope to accomplish something. Maybe shine a brighter light upon OUD and stigma. Maybe with all the stories, we might start to dim its effects. I want to mobilize our community. And that community includes people with OUD, people who've lost people from OUD, and the general public. It gives families a place to emote, to bear witness, 
by sharing their ghost stories. Maybe they want to hear from other advocates that I would like to interview. So when are they going to hear anything? Well, we'll be dropping the first episode soon, so look out for it on our social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My website, which I forgot to tell you the name of, is called VoicesFromTheOpioidCrisis.com. So we hope to see you soon, and uh, as Zach always said, peace out.